So, today we're going to talk about something that everybody loves. Change. Raise your hand if you love change. Okay, we have a few weirdos in the room. Good for you. Um, I, you know, well, change is inevitable. It's going to happen. Change is something that we cannot avoid and it cannot be prevented. Even the earth shows us that there's change all the time because we have seasons. Without these seasons, without these changes, we would not be able to experience the beauty that comes with each season, the warmth that comes with summer. Well, usually, although technically I don't think it's summer yet, right? We're still in spring. <laughs> Beach days, lake days. My favorite is the delicious fruit that comes with summer, the peaches, the strawberries, the watermelon. I love summer. Fall, we wouldn't be able to experience the falling leaves, the pumpkins, the all-thing pumpkins, right? <laughs> Sweater weather. And then with winter, we wouldn't have the snow, the rain, again, sweater weather. And Christmas, we wouldn't really have the Christmas spirit that we have with, without winter. And then my favorite season is spring and the dresses and the flowers that come with it. Love, love spring. So each time we experience these seasons, they also change. As you may have noticed, this past May was surprisingly cold in compared to last year. Um, even June, we are really getting that June gloom today. Um, but every time we experience a season, it changes. Change is happening all the time. Everyone experiences change differently. As we saw, some people love it. They embrace it. They're like, bring on the change. Other people are like, no, please, I will avoid change at all cost. Some people, which I'm in this category, I think we, most of us, love and hate it at the same time, especially depending on what the change is. Sometimes we can handle some better than others. Um, I love the mix-up sometimes, but it's also like, okay, now I have to figure out a new routine for things, okay. Um, but change is always happening, and we all experiencing it differently. Um, an example of this is school's coming to an end. For a lot of people, it has probably ended already. So teachers, students, admins, you are experiencing a change of maybe your schedule, your day-to-day -day experience. Maybe for some of you, that is a relief. Like, I cannot wait to sleep in every day. <laughs> maybe some of you are sad that the school year has come to an end. And I know the people that are excited are like, who would be sad about school being over? I would be. I think it was like sophomore year of high school. Our year came to an end, and at the end of every year, my family would take us to dinner. Me and my sister, we would go to dinner somewhere and celebrate the end of the school year. And I visibly remember sitting in the booth at Red Robin, and my parents were like, how are you feeling about the end of the school year? And I just burst into tears. And they're like, well, that was... That's not really something that we expected. You're supposed to be excited. All the TV shows, so you know, like kids throwing papers in the air at the end of school celebrating. They're like, why are you sad? And I was like, well, I'm not going to miss the homework. I could do without the homework, although at this point in my life, I'm like, I love learning. So I'm like, I miss that aspect of school. But in that moment, I was like, I'm not going to miss the papers being due. 
But I am going to miss the routine of seeing my friends and just the random peers, you know, the people that you don't really talk to, but you're like, it's nice to see their faces. Like, I'm going to miss that routine every day and just that routine of also feeling productive. Because during the summer, you kind of feel like, what, are you, what am I going to do? I'm just like sitting here eating mac and cheese and watching TV all day. So I don't know. For me, that change was not a very welcome one. I did enjoy being around my friends. So change is not always easy. Sometimes we choose the change, and sometimes we don't. Like summertime, you don't really choose the change. You know it's coming, but you don't choose that change. But all change is necessary for us to grow. Imagine if we never changed. We stayed the same all the time. Imagine that I was stuck in that high school version of Mandy for forever. That would be weird. That would be very weird. And high school Mandy did not talk in front of people. She was very reserved, quiet, please don't look at me, don't acknowledge that I exist because I might like die inside. So imagine if I stayed that way. It would be, yeah, it would not work. It would not work with the plan that God had for my life. We were not created to stay the same. We were created to constantly be changing and constantly to be growing. So, how do we thrive with changes in life that come our way? If change is inevitable, it's coming for us no matter what, how can we thrive? Let's look at something else that was created to grow. Let's look at some of the characteristics of wildflowers. Like I said, I love flowers, so might as well preach on them, right? (laughs) Wildflowers tend to have deep roots and they are less likely to die during prolonged dry spells. Unlike grass that needs to be watered constantly, wildflowers can thrive without so much water. They also help attract insects and other animals to get pollinated so that they can produce seeds which will make more flowers. They also help restore ecosystems and sustain biodiversity. So in 2020, the University of Cambridge King's College decided to do an experiment. They decided to not mow about half a soccer field's worth of their lawn. And let me show you a before picture. There we go. That's, it's a really pretty campus, right? It's gorgeous. Reminds me of like Hogwarts, it's great. So this is what their lawn looked like before their experiment. So instead of mowing their lawn, they took and planted about 33 plant species seeds. And the following year, they took a sampling of what happened. And they found 84 plant species, which is 51 more than they had been planting. The wildflower meadow supported three times more species of plants, spiders, and bugs than the remaining lawn. It also provided homes for three times as many bats because they would come and forage for the spiders and insects that lived in that meadow. It also reduced the need to mow, which reduced, reduced the carbon emissions. Um, and they found that to be the equivalent of a returning flight between 
London and New York, which seems like a lot of emissions. For, so just to mow the lawn, they reduced it in that much of just the size of a soccer field. Let me show you the after picture. So pretty, I would want that too. So they still kept, like I said, it was only half, half of a soccer field's size of a field for this meadow. So they did still keep some for recreation because as I'm sure you've seen in life, you can't really play soccer or throw a frisbee on a meadow like this. Um, it would kill all of what they took samplings of. So this simple existence of this small size of a meadow created a huge bat and insect population growth, and it overall created a healthier environment. As much as I don't like creepy crawlers, they're actually really good for the planet in their own way. So like this huge boom, it was really good. And the experiment that they conducted proved a positive effect of the wildflowers on the growth of the ecosystem in that small space. Wildflowers can also thrive in some of the most unlikely places. The ideal environment would be like a well-watered garden, right? Or a nice well-watered field where there's plenty of sun and soil, but they are so resilient that they can pop up in some of the weirdest places, um, like sidewalks. Just grow in sidewalks. I'm sure many of you have had the experience where you're walking down the road and you just see a gorgeous flower in the middle of a crack. You're like, how did you get there? They're resilient. They can also grow in places like abandoned buildings, and I've even seen them grow through cars, like a car that's been sitting there for a long time, and you open up the engine and you just see like a bunch of wildflowers. Super weird. But they adapt to grow in unusual places. While they can grow almost anywhere, they become far less beautiful once they are picked. They wilt shortly after being separated from the other part of the plant because that part has been providing the flower with water and sugar, which was necessary for it to grow. So we can see that the, the flower can only thrive when it remains connected to the part of the plant. I think most of us can agree that wildflowers are beautiful. If you don't think otherwise, let's have a conversation afterwards and I will convince you otherwise. We have a wood chip area in the front of our house, um, my husband and I, and you guys know that in California we've had a crazy amount of rain here. Crazy amount of rain, right? So shortly after all of that rain, um, we had wildflowers growing in that wood chip area, which I thought was gorgeous. I'm like, this is so pretty. I think there were a bunch of yellow ones. I think they're called yellow mustard. But they're so pretty, so pretty. So I was really sad to wake up one morning to hear our landlord come with the, uh, the cutter and was cutting them all down, which I mean, I was like, yeah, I guess it looks nicer, but they were really pretty. So... Wildflowers, we see them come in many, many colors, many shapes all throughout the world. We will find them growing naturally differently in every part of the world. They're hard to predict and they can be fleeting too, meaning they don't last forever. 
Here in California, we have what's called the super bloom. Are you guys familiar with what our super bloom is? So we have a wild amount of like California poppies that you can actually see from the satellites in space, which is insane. Um, but they don't last forever. There is a small window of time that you can actually experience this super bloom, and there are bloggers that have dedicated to tracking this super bloom. And I found that we just missed it, guys. What a bummer. I know, I'm sorry. Should have done this like a month ago. The uh, bloggers said it was between April and mid-May that it was at like its fullest. And this is approximately, this isn't this year, this is I think two years ago. But isn't that gorgeous? I would definitely want to be a bad person and just frolic through that and like kill half of the flowers. Yeah, don't, if you go see it, don't walk on them because it does kill them. As we said, they're fragile. But it's so beautiful. And there's so many different kinds of flowers around the world that have these kind of thriving moments. So when we look at changes in life, there are many emotions that accompany these changes. I'm sure you've experienced an array of emotions if you've experienced any kind of change. Maybe you were excited. Maybe there was fear or sadness, frustration, anxiety, or uncertainty. It's completely normal to experience these emotions and more when you experience change especially when it comes to major life changes, like moving, a new job, a new school, maybe a baby, or maybe you've experienced a loss, a graduation. So many life changes, and they cause an array of emotions. So let's talk about negative emotions that come with change, those fear, sadness, frustration, anxiety, uncertainty. If change is happening, regardless if we want it to or not, how do we cope with these changes? If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 12 with me. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Skipping down to verse 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? Wildflowers, as beautiful as they are and as much joy as they bring to the world, they are here today and gone the next. And God created them to bring such beauty. And as that study showed, or that experiment, they bring life to the world. Flowers are alive, but they don't have souls like you and I do. They were not created in the image of God, the imago dei, like you and I were. But God cares about them. 
I love these verses in Luke 12 because it shows us a God that cares about the little things, the little things that grow in sidewalk cracks, the little things that only last a short season, that only really thrive one month in the year. And if God cares so much about them, I think we can agree that God cares way more about us, the ones that he made in his image, the one he gave souls, the ones he calls his children. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us so that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. A God who loves us this much will be right next to us in every single season. He's a good parent, and he's going to be there cheering us on and giving us a big hug if it's a hard season. So how do we thrive in, in changes in life that come our way? Be a wildflower. I have four points to prove this. Number one, plant your roots deep in the word. Memorize verses like this one in Luke 12 so that way when you feel anxious or uncertain, you can be reminded of how much God loves you. If he cares for the wildflowers, he cares about you a million times more. If you're unsure of places to start with reading the word, I would recommend one of the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, they showcase the life of Jesus, and I think there's really no better place to start learning about who God is than the person that we can best relate to, another human who is here on behalf of God displaying what it means to live out the Christian walk. It's so much easier to have your, your change or to thrive in changes when you know what God has to say about who you are and your identity in him. So plant your roots deep in the word. Number two, be attractive and not pretty. You guys all have that down already. That's not what I mean by that. But what I mean is to be positive, be encouraging. Look for the good in every change and encourage others in life changes. Because we see that when the wildflowers attract, they create healthy ecosystems and they create population growth and they thrive in that so in the midst of change how do you affect those around you are you only focusing on negative emotions or is there space for the positive ones too are you open to having people encourage you if you're only spewing negative emotions are you open to seeing a new perspective so how you process your emotions does affect those around you, even if they're not directly experiencing the same change that you are, they're experiencing how you are processing through the change. So how are you affecting those around you? You're allowed to experience every single emotion, even that list of negative ones. I'm not telling you like, don't experience negative, only be a bright ray of sunshine. No, that's impractical, and you are supposed to be authentic. So please be authentic, but just make sure that how you are processing through your emotions is not affecting the health of your surrounding environment. Number three is find community. 
The fact that you are here today shows that you are already one step into this. Being a part of community is absolutely crucial to thriving. One of my personal biggest life changes was when my family moved from Laverne, just, you know, one town over, to Nampa, Idaho a few years ago. I am super close to my family. I still am. It just looks different. Um, like, weirdly close to my family, if you ask my husband. Um, I love them. We talk about everything all the time. We call each other multiple times a week. I love them. Hi, guys. Shout out to them. They're uh, probably watching right now. So when they moved, it was very odd to me, and it left a huge hole. There was no more family dinners, like, sporadically, like, hey, you want to come over? Yeah, sure, let's go. There was no more sporadic family dinners. There was no more Thanksgiving with my dad's special um, Thanksgiving plates that his mom left. It was like this really cute china with turkeys on it. Um, there was no more, hey, dad, can you come and help me fix this? My dad's a great fixer, um, so I did that a lot. The list goes on and on about the holes that were left when they moved. Now, when they left, my church family here did a really amazing job at helping to fill those gaps. So thank you so much, everyone, for like being a part of helping me get through these changes. Greg and I have had so many people that have extended us an invitation to be part of holiday celebrations, a part of your own family moments, just to make sure that we didn't feel like we were missing out on those family moments to make sure that we didn't feel alone. Being part of community helped me so much through that huge life change. It hasn't made the change pain-free. I still miss them a lot, and I still cry at many moments that I know that can't happen anymore, like, you know, the random Mother's Day, just going out to lunch with them. Um, sorry, Mom, if you're crying right now. Um, but being part of community has helped to ease that change. It has helped me to carry on and still feel connected. So just like the wildflower will not survive long without its plant and it will wilt and eventually die, we will not survive long without community, without that, those people to surround you, to support you in the midst of hard life changes. I think that this is one thing that made quarantine so difficult for many of us, is being separated from support systems, especially the extroverts in the room that are energized from time with people. Being apart from community makes it really hard to energize yourself if you're apart from people. So the Bible, one of our you know, life guides, has a lot to say about community. And I'm going to do some rapid fire through verses, so I do not expect you to follow along, but you can write them down and um, look them up later, too. Also, these should be some verses that you memorize, too. They're good. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. This looks like being honest with each other, being vulnerable with each other. When you say, hey, how's it going? And you're actually like having a struggle. It's like sharing what the actual struggle is. When you're in community, when you're in genuine community and able to be authentic, you are not alone. This kind of community does take investment. You have to 
come and be a part of people's lives to be able to share those kinds of things um it would be kind of you know awkward if you just like bomb dropped a really emotional thing and you're like i just met you two seconds ago like we will be here for you for that but like relationship is what makes this work really well and i want to focus on the fact that this verse says carry each other's burdens Sometimes we miss this. Sometimes we see community as a place where we can get our problems solved and we don't want to listen to what is happening in the lives of anyone else. So this means to not word vomit all of your problems and refuse to let anyone else speak, but you're meant to carry each other's burden. It's a give-take situation. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Like I said, community is a mutually beneficial relationship. Iron sharpens iron. It's not just one thing getting sharpened. It's, it should be both. If community is done right, that's how it should be. It's people growing together. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or more, Sorry, two or three gather in my name, I am there with them. We see that God honors community. The Holy Spirit is in the room when two or more gather in his name. That means that the Holy Spirit is here right now. Amen. How cool is that? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This means that everyone has a place in the body of Christ and that everyone has a place in the community of the church. So when you are going through change, plug into that community that you belong to. Because I think I have found that other people can help you process through your emotions from a different perspective and they can encourage you through difficult times, and also they can rejoice with you in your excitement. Like, there's nothing better than going to someone and be like, this just happened, and having them be like, oh my gosh, I know. It's really fun to be a part of community and to share your big life moments with people. And like I shared earlier, like, you can cry with them too. It's really, uh, really great. So be a part of community. And fourth is adapt. God has made each of you to be resilient. Even if you don't feel like he has, he has made you to be able to experience and thrive in hard things. Just like those wildflowers, he's created us to be able to grow in unusual places. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is what proves this to me. It says, God is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with your testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. God is not promising to have it be easy for us. He does not say, hey, follow me and easy peasy, lemon squeezy. No, he says, I promise to be with you and I will provide the way out meaning that he will be with us and that if we keep our eyes fixed on him, that we will be able to then see the way out. Have you ever been following someone and like not watching where they're going and then you look back and they're like, oh shoot, where'd they go? 
it doesn't work very well, right? I got lost at Disneyland once for doing that because I was a child and I got distracted by something shiny and my mom's like, where'd Mandy go? Who knows? Keep your eyes on Jesus and he will help you in your situations and he will show you that way out that God has promised us. There's always a way out. But if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, we might miss it. It's with God. We can grow in those little sidewalk crack moments with little water and with little soil because adapting allows us to thrive. Today is graduation Sunday. Graduation is a huge milestone. High school grads, you guys are entering adulthood. Yeah, shout out to my high school grads over there. And I think we got one back there. Yeah. So maybe for you that looks like work is coming up, maybe that looks like more school is coming up, regardless, you have finally made it to the end of that 13-ish year journey from elementary school, junior high, and high school. You made it. You did it. College graduates, you guys chose the more school route. Where are my, where are my college grads? Yeah. Woo. You've had countless hours studying and reading and papers, so much, so much. And you've been preparing to work in a specific field, and you have now come to the point where you're going from student to professional, or maybe more school, I don't know. But you're making a new milestone. So in this moment, I would like to invite all of our grads up and we're going to be praying over them as they enter this new season. So give them a round of applause if our graduates make their way to the stage. You guys look so professional. Wow. All right, I'm going to have you guys pause for a moment and smile towards our amazing cameras right there. In this next season, I want to encourage you guys to continue to grow in the Lord. To I know this sounds cheesy, but to be a wildflower, to remember all these different ways that you can thrive in the Lord in different times. Because change is a big deal, especially when you're going from you know, something that you do every single day into now the unknown. I'm so proud of you guys. Oh, I'm not going to cry. So we, as the church, we have a gift for you that is something that I hope will be a reminder that no matter where life takes you, it might not keep you here for very long. It might keep you here for a long time at Granite Creek. I hope so. But life changes happen, and you guys might be finding yourself somewhere else. So we have a gift for each of you to remind you that no matter where you go in life, no matter if it's down the street, 
across the country or around the world that you will always have a home here at Granite Creek. So I would like to invite our parents and our pastors and elders to come up and lay hands if you feel comfortable for prayer. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the end of the old season and the beginning of a new one. God, we ask that you pour out your love on each of these graduates, Lord, as they enter this new season. We ask that it's full of your blessing and your favor, Lord. We ask that when things get challenging, that you continue to provide that way out for them. And God, I just ask that you go before each graduate and help encourage them and help help them keep their eyes focused on you so they can find that way out, Lord. And God, we just thank you so much for this community that you have surrounded them with. I just ask that you show them that this is a community that they can go to when they want to cry, when they want to rejoice, Lord. We are here for them through every single emotion that they may be experiencing, with every single moment of confusion, excitement, fear, all of it, Lord. So God, I just ask that you go before them, and we thank you so much for everything that you are already doing Mm -hmm. in them, that they have already begun your work before they were graduating. So God, we say thank you so much for each and every one of these, these young adults, Lord. Heavenly Father, we intercede for our kids that are now adults. (laughs) We stand in the gap, and we just ask for your wisdom and your guidance. God, a, a divine wisdom that only comes through the Holy Spirit that will lead them, that will guide them, that will encourage them, that will counsel them when they need it most. We pray right now for a divine favor on on these graduates a divine favor that opens up doors that seem to be closed, a divine favor that comes from God, and a divine favor that the world, that men see. We thank you so much for these bright lights, and just pray that you will encourage them as they navigate change, and may they navigate change in the context of community. Josh Woodcook. Josh Woodcook. I want you to pray. Father, we know that you have always had a plan for each one of these graduates, Lord. God, and as they start stepping into that that prophesied future of a hope and a plan and a purpose, mm-hmm. my biggest desire, Lord, is that they would walk closer to you. God, that in everything that they do, that they would acknowledge you. God, that you would go before them. Mm -hmm. 
that you would surround them with your spirit, Lord. God, it's just a, it's just a blessing as a, as a parent to look at my child and to know that the heart that, that she has for you. And I know each of the other parents here can say that same thing. God, it's an incredible blessing for us as a parents to see what you've done for our children. So God, as they grow up and they're ready to leave home and go into their own lives, Lord, we, we entrust them to you. So, Father, thank you for what you've done in their entire lives. We just bless them in all that they set their hands to do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Right. Yeah, let's give them one more round of applause as they make their way back. Congratulations, class of 2023. You guys made it. Worship team, if I could have you guys start coming up. So when you are in the midst of change, especially when that change seems overwhelming, Remember to be like a wildflower and grow. Because change is inevitable, but growth is optional. I would like to invite all of us into a time of communion and worship with one another. And I don't actually have communion up here. Whoops. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Christy. Thank you. All right. Um... Perfect. Look at that. See, community coming <laughs> in. Right. Look at that. Look at that. So as a community, we have the opportunity to partake in the Lord's Supper with communion. At the Last Supper that Jesus got to have with his community, he gave them two new symbols, which is the bread and the cup. And he took the bread and he said this is my body which is broken for you eat in remembrance of me join me and in the same way he took that cup and he said this is the is my blood which is a sign of the new covenant which is poured out for the many Drink in remembrance of me. I'd like to invite the ushers forward. And we're going to transition into receiving the offering as the 
as a moment in our worship service that is our chance to give back to God for all that he has done for us. It's a chance for us to sow seeds into the kingdom work that God is already doing here. All of those amazing young adults that you saw a moment ago on this stage, he's doing incredible things here at Granite Creek. So this is our opportunity to give back to him. So I'm gonna pray as we, over the offering, as our ushers pass the baskets. God, I thank you so much that we get to be a part of your community, that we get to do communion with you and we get to sow back into your kingdom. So God, I pray a blessing over every single person here. And we just ask that you do something new in this church and we just thank you so much that we get to be a part of it. So God, we just ask that you bless what we give back to you and you bless us as we are part of this communion. We thank you so much for everything that you are doing here. And we thank you so much for our graduates, all the parents, this church family for coming around these graduates. We thank you so much for Granite Creek and all that you are doing here. So God, we just say thank you we're faithful to you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Join us in this last worship song. Places that we dream, in the places where our longings are filled, let us grow.